Welcome to Me, Myself, and Millie, a podcast about pop culture and hot goss through the lens of your nosy neighbor. I'm your host, Millie Brooks, and I am thrilled that you are here and tuning in. Okay, I'm going to burp. Excuse me. Sorry. Keeping it real for you guys. So continuing with the theme of infertility this season, I am going to talk with fertility coach and birth doula, Dr. Sierra Bazell today. Dr. Bazell is a holistic health and fertility coach, herbalist, birth doula, and breastfeeding advocate. She is the founder and executive director of the Faithfully Fertile Foundation in North Carolina, which offers education and support to couples going through infertility and adoption. She's happily married to Odell Bazell, and they have three children. So Sierra is coming on the show today to sort of demystify um, this concept of a fertility coach. Um, I here, Here's how this sort of, um, how I came across this. Um, So kind of trying to understand my own infertility journey, I came across the idea of a fertility coach, um, and it kind of blew my mind. And I was like, what? How does that work? What do you do? What What is that relationship like? How much money is that? I mean, a lot of questions came up for me. Um, But like, if you think about it, You can have a coach for anything, but how can having a fertility coach improve your chances of conceiving? So many questions, right? Well, Sierra is awesome, and she's here today to dive deep into what she does and how it can help people struggling to conceive. Before we get to the interview with Sierra, a friendly neighborhood reminder to rate, review, and subscribe to Me, Myself, and Millie on Apple Podcasts. I'm sure you are all sick of hearing me say that, and trust me, I'm definitely sick of hearing myself say that, but your comments, your support, your reviews hold so much weight and are so appreciated. So hop on to Apple Podcasts and let me know what you think and if you're enjoying the show. All righty, please welcome to the show, Sierra. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad to have the opportunity to chat with you today. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me today, Millie. I, um, well, I told you before we started recording that in my own fertility journey, I came across, um, the idea of a fertility coach and it completely like blew my mind. Um, and I, I'm just so grateful to understand more about what you do today. Oh, well, it's my pleasure to be here. Um, well, why don't we get started with a little bit of background about yourself and how you got to be a fertility coach? 
Oh, oh my goodness. How much time do you have? <laughs> we have the floor is yours. Okay. Um, so my journey kind of started with my own fertility journey. Um, I got pregnant very easily and um naturally in 2009, um, my husband and I had been married for about nine months, weren't really trying, um, and we got pregnant. Our daughter, she was born in November of 2009, and I went into this birth so prepared. Um, I had done all of my research. I had a midwife. I did the whole nine yards because I was determined to have this perfect natural birth. Well, things did not go as planned, um, and she was born via um, emergency C-section. And during this C-section, the doctor apparently found some type of scarring inside of me that I had no idea existed. Um, and she decided to help me out by scraping this scar tissue um, because she thought that that would help me to be able to conceive in the future. Well, if we fast forward about three years later, when my husband and I started trying to have another baby, we're thinking, okay, well, it was super easy the first time. You know, we're not going to have any problems this time. But six months went by and nothing happened. A year went by and nothing happened. Um, and then it turned into about two years. So we finally went to see someone and he tells me, well, based on your history, um, and everything that I've seen, you're going to need in vitro. Your hormones are terrible. Um, you have the egg quality of a 42-year-old woman. At this point, I'm 26. Um, and I'm like, oh, my God. Like, what does this mean? He says, you can't get pregnant unless you do in vitro. Um, 26 with a, you know, now two and a half, almost three year old child. Um, what? <laughs> wow. You know? Wow. Um, that is heavy news. That's heavy news. Yeah. Um, it, it definitely was. Um, and so we did not have the money. So we waited until we were like, okay, maybe we can figure out how we can do this naturally. And so I went on this journey. I started doing all of this research. I changed my diet. I did every possible thing that I could. Now, I need to back up just a little bit because uh, before that, prior to that, I had developed an ovarian cyst on my right ovary and a cyst on my right breast. So here I am like dealing with a cyst, having hot flashes now, being told that, you know, your ovaries are not working properly. You're probably going through um, perimenopause right now and you need to hurry up and hop on in vitro. Quick question. Did mm -hmm. they ever say anything back to your C-section and the scraping that they... <laughs> well, yes, but that okay. comes way later. Okay, sorry. I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> okay, you're fine. Um, So, you know, we waited because we didn't have any money. Um, And, you know, somewhere along that line, um, in about 2015, we ended up adopting uh, two children because it was always my plan to have two children and adopt two children. Well, you know, 
that didn't really work out the way I wanted to. Um, but, you know, we decided we'll go ahead and adopt. And then when we're ready to do in vitro, we'll do it. Um, so throughout all of this, I'm still in pain every month when I'm ovulating. I feel like I'm dying. Um, and I was able to get rid of my cyst and a fibroid and <laughs> this uh, cyst that I had in my breast. All of those things were gone. And then in 2016, I was finally sent to see uh, another reproductive specialist. Um, and he did all of this testing. And then he decided that he wanted to do um, a surgery to see if maybe he could see what was going on and try to fix something. So he went in and he found that the scarring was pretty much gone on the inside. However, because it was left so long, um, it had caused my fallopian tubes to pull upward and then fuse backwards to the front of my uterus. Um, they, they like they moved. pulled up and went back. Wow. Mm -hmm. And so he said, um, I was in surgery. He calls my husband and he's like, um, you know, I, I tried to fix her tubes, but because they've been like this for so long, I'm scared that if I leave them, she's going to have an ectopic. So I need to remove them. What do you think? So here my husband is, you know, we're now 30 and he's having to make this decision. And he's like, I don't know what to do. And she's out of it. So I can't ask her a question like, OK, well, I'll, I guess I'll just go with what you say. So I wake up finally after this surgery. Um, Sierra, my, I'm just like, I'm getting goosebumps and chills at the same time right now. Wow. Yeah. Thanks, Millie. Yeah. So I wake up and he comes in to talk to me and he was just like, um, well, you know, due to the C-section that you had and what was done, it caused some extensive scarring. That was why you spent all those years in pain um, because your tubes had lifted up like your ovaries were being held hostage by this scar tissue. And they were just dangling here um, and trying not to basically be squeezed to death by um, this scar tissue. And so he said because of the way the C-section was done, um, it caused all of these issues plus all of the pain. Uh, he said, normally when this happens, the, you know, the fallopian tubes, they might pull upward, but they always go forward. And if that happened, he would have been able to save them. But because she had scraped the scar tissue, it just came back angrier and it made things a lot worse. Um, and throughout that time period, I had been going to doctors telling them that something was happening. I didn't feel right, but nobody really listened. They were just like, oh, well, you're having your period. You're fine. Um, so, you know, um, I kind of had a moment of I wasn't crazy you know, because nobody was listening. And finally, somebody gets it like you get me. Um, and so we we dealt with that. Uh, and then we decided to start the IVF process um, in, I want to say, 2017. <sighs> A series of unfortunate events happened uh, throughout this thing. My doctor died. 
he, he oh, died. Yes, it was it was so crazy. Um, he passed away and I was sent to work with another doctor within the practice. Um, but this particular practitioner, he just wasn't very um, friendly. Uh, my test results never came to me. So I, I have no idea what they were. I paid for them, but I never received them. Um, and, you know, I was getting ready. I had done the blood work and I was getting ready to start the process of, you know, getting on my meds and all these things. And I just had this moment of like, I can't do this. I can't. I'm just, I'm overwhelmed. I have no idea what I'm supposed to be doing and I don't feel supported. So I'm just going to walk away. I feel like it's just time for me to let this go. Um, so I did. And in 2018, I decided that I wasn't going to allow this to um, kind of haunt me and defy me anymore. I was just going to start being vocal about my own struggles and then start supporting other people. Um, in 2016, I became a birth doula. But in 2018, I said, you know what? I think it's time I start helping people with fertility because this was really hard um, and it sucked having to go through all of this alone because most of my friends had no issues getting pregnant. It was just easy for them. So when I'm trying to explain to them what's happening, they don't understand and they're just like, you know, oh, well, you wait, it'll be fine. Uh, you guys had a baby before. Um, and while those things are meant to be comforting, they're not, as you know. Um, so I just really wanted to be that person that I needed while I was going throughout my journey. Um, and because I learned so much <laughs> throughout a seven year period, um, I was more than happy to share uh, what I had learned. And I wanted to make things affordable because like you said, when you go to work with somebody and you see, oh my God, it's $3,000 on top of this $20,000 that I have to spend for IVF. I can't afford this. Um, I know. It, it, <laughs> it really does. I think it's it, you're exactly right. Like the costs involved in in just investigating what the problem is mm -hmm. is so expensive, you know? And so I really I really admire you for that, for doing that. Wow, thank you. Yeah, so that's the journey that I've been on. And last year, um, I started an organization. It's a nonprofit organization called Faithfully Fertile Foundation, where we offer grants um, to people that are looking to adopt um, and to, you know, do any type of reproductive assistance because we didn't have any money when we first tried um, to go down that route and, you know, Thankfully, we were able to end up having the money later. But what about those people that are never able to afford it? We just don't think money should stop people from becoming parents if that's what they desire. 100%. 100%. So you have three children mm -hmm. and two of them are adopted, mm -hmm. correct? Yes. And um, how, was, how was the adoption process? <laughs> that was a, a totally different journey in in of itself. Um, we decided to adopt through foster care um, because domestic adoption for me is uh, it's a bit 
I, I just don't really love it. Um, not saying that if you do it, there's something wrong with it. Um, it's just for me personally, I don't really love going that route. Um, and a lot of times some of the companies and um, organizations that do it don't always do it the best way. So you have to really do your research to make sure that you're going about doing so in the right way without uh, actually taking someone's baby and them not knowing um, that that's what's happening as we've seen in the news and, you know, different things like that. So we decided to go through foster care um, and it was very interesting. We actually fostered three children, um, one of which ended up being uh, reunified with his siblings. So we had him for seven months and we were open to adopting him. Um, but he ended up going to be with his siblings. And so, uh, that, that didn't work out, you know, which is what's best for him, uh, probably, but still it, it hurt (laughs) a little, um, because you get attached to the child. Um, so adoption has been interesting, Um, because of the process and then all of the other emotions that were involved with it. Um, It's definitely a different feeling um, than what you have, you know, when you give birth or even, even going through the in vitro process, it's, it's all totally different. It all comes with its own set of emotions and feelings and just really navigating things. Um, so that would be a whole book for me to tell you <laughs> about how the process. I would read uh, it. Works. I would read it and promote it. Um, well, and so you are also a birth doula. Mm-hmm. How does this play into your fertility coaching? Um, well, you know, it, it really helps me because I can kind of see, all sides of things. So for me, I'm able to support a person before they get pregnant, while they're pregnant, and then in the postpartum period, um, offer them some support as well. So it's kind of a wonderful thing because I get to follow people from before they even have a baby until, you know, the baby is born and attend the births. Um, a lot of times it's very overwhelming and emotional and I have cried at some of these births because it's just so beautiful to see somebody, you know, finally get something that they've been waiting for. Um, and it's, it's just wonderful to be able to support people. Um, and actually for me, it was very healing to see that other people's journey, um, was able to, you know, in well, not everybody's story ends the same way. And healing in terms of the, what you experienced, um, in your own journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Watching and like really shepherding people through that process, I'm sure Mm -hmm. was very, yeah, healing. That's Mm -hmm. great. Um, well, for folks who aren't really familiar with what a doula actually does, can you explain that and break it down for us? Absolutely. 
So a doula is a person um, that supports a birthing person throughout their process. Now, me personally, I support people from the time that they tell me that they're pregnant um, all the way up through the delivery and, you know, a few weeks after postpartum uh, just to make sure that they're okay and everything's good. But during the actual labor, what the doula does is to make sure that you're comfortable Um, They make sure that you understand everything that's happening throughout the birth. So if let's say you're having a contraction and the nurse comes over and wants you to sign a piece of paperwork, they're like, hold on. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, my God, Sierra. I know my best friend that happened to her. Mm -hmm. And the day after she gave birth, she was like, Millie, you got to get a doula because Mm -hmm. the doula was help what the nurses were asking me to sign paperwork when I was in the middle of a contraction and mm-hmm. I couldn't say anything. Yeah. That is so wild that you, oh my gosh, this is meant mm-hmm. to be. This is meant to be. <laughs> yes. So definitely get a doula because it happens all the time. A person is mid contraction, like heavy contraction bent over on the side of the bed, just trying to breathe. And they come in with, hey, can you sign this paperwork so that we can do this? Uh, Do you want to donate your baby's cord blood? And I'm like, (laughs) "Uh, can you please give this person a second? Um, You know, come back in just a minute. So we're that person to make sure that you can get that moment. Or if they're speaking, you know, that jargon that you don't understand, we are the people to make sure that we explain to you what's being said. Um, We also allow you to be able to make your own decision. So I won't make a decision for anyone. I just make sure that I present all the facts. Um, And with with, you know, medical interventions, if they're like, hey, you need to do this. I'm like, okay, but what are all the options so that we know what we can and we can't do? Um, So we make sure that you understand everything that's happening, that you know all of your options, that you make informed decisions. um, And then we're the person that's there to advocate for you. So if they're doing something that you don't like, We'll make sure that you speak up or that, you know, your partner speaks up or whoever's with you. Um, And then we can also be there to help make sure that you are doing well with those contractions. So if you're having back labor, we're massaging. We might be running the shower on your back or helping to support you in the water if you're water birthing. Um, We're just there to take care of you. We may get you ice or water, whatever you need. We're there to support you. Um, We're just not a medical person, so we can't do anything medical. Got it. It sounds like you're just, I mean, an angelic presence throughout (laughs) like a very, that can be a very, it's a very trying time. Mm-hmm. giving birth and labor and you need you need support you just need it um well when somebody approaches you about getting help with their infertility struggles what does that look like and how does that process begin Okay, so if someone um, decides to come to me and ask for help, the first thing that I need to know is, have you seen a doctor? 
And how long has it been since you've been trying? Um, don't come to me if it's been three months and you haven't gotten pregnant yet. That's that's not a, a you know a concerning thing. Um, but if you've been trying and you are under thirty five um, and it's been over a year, then you know you can come talk to me. If you haven't seen a doctor, I'd probably tell you to go see one of those first uh, to find out what issue you're having. Um, if you're over 35 and it's been over six months, then you can come and talk to me and we can kind of look at what's going on. Um, but first and foremost, I need you to know what the issues are um, and I need you to be talking to your doctor so that you have a plan. Um, I support you in whatever route you want to go. So if you're a person that wants to go more natural, um, then we can find you maybe a natural path in your area. I happen to be an herbalist too. So if you want me to create something for you or, you know, work with you in that way, then I can do that. Um, but if you want to go the more medical route, then we'll find someone that's really good for you, a good fit for you. Because not every fertility doctor works for every person. Um, so we kind of look at how they're treating you, what's going on and all of that. Um, I make sure that you are able to stay on task with all of the things that you have to do for your fertility treatments. Um, and then, you know, I'll just kind of walk alongside you and support you whichever way you go. Um, so I'm just there to offer my support to make sure that you're okay emotionally. I have a support group for that. Um, I make sure that you are good physically. So how are you eating? Are you eating? <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, those types of things. And I'm also there to kind of allow you to run things by me. So if the fertility doctor says something, you don't understand it. I'm that person to explain it to you. Um, and tell you, you know, what all the options are so that you can then make an informed decision. It's kind of like just being a doula, but <laughs> on the other side of things. Um, so I'm just a support person. They come to me and I support whichever way they go. It sounds so vital. It just, I mean, you're really selling me on it. I mean, I know you're not trying to sell sell me on it, but I am hooked. Like, I need so – I mean, it takes such a village to keep me going at a basic level. And, like, I, I'm, I'm totally convinced that, um, that this is something that a lot of women would benefit from, you know? Mm -hmm. um, well, what types of – changes have you seen take place when um, when you work with people as a fertility coach? What's the transformation like? Well, you know, most times when people are going through this journey, most of us are frazzled. We're an emotional wreck. Um, we don't really feel like we have any power over anything. And I think that's a really big issue for a lot of us because we feel helpless. Um, so I'm the person to kind of help number one, empower you to know that you're not just kind of taking whatever comes. You can take control of your fertility, um, and do whatever it is that you want to do throughout this journey. Um, so the first thing that I always see is that people 
are able to become more empowered. They get more education. Um, they learn a lot of things. They may figure out that, oh, it was just a simple issue with, you know, maybe I needed to change my diet and I was able to get pregnant. For some people, that works. Well, Maybe the last time I did IVF, they didn't know that my blood type wasn't compatible with my baby's blood type. And, you know, we were able to figure that out. And, you know, now we're able to do it. Uh, so people just tend to get a lot more um, information. They feel empowered and they're able to, like I said, take control of things. They realize that they can take supplements while they're going through their IVF uh, process that can help them with their egg quality. Um, they understand that now I can reduce my stress by maybe doing some yoga or using some acupuncture. Like they're able to get kind of a holistic look at what fertility is like instead of just going straight, you know, I'm just going to go to the fertility doctor and do whatever they say and, you know, kind of figure it out <laughs> along the way. Um, so it's really there to uh, take care of the whole person because you can't just deal with the infertility issue without looking at the emotional part of it, um, the relationship that you have with your partner throughout this process. We kind of deal with that a little bit as well. So we tackle everything. I love it. I really love how you're trying to empower the patient, you know, like really trying to, because I think you you do have to shield yourself with knowledge, you know, mm -hmm. um, and, and doctors, you know, I've, doctors are, oh God, I mean, I could do a whole other episode on just doctor mm -hmm. and bedside manner etiquette, but you know, it's a job like any other job and, you know, they want to breeze through it and they have on days and off days and you got to make sure that like you come in and stay informed, you know? Mm -hmm. How has COVID um, affected your practice? <laughs> well, in a lot of ways I've had to do um, everything virtually. So I had um, a client <laughs> that was due in April. And because of the way um, the hospitals here were doing things. Um, and you're in North Carolina? Yes, I'm in North Carolina. And at that time, doulas were not able to enter into the birthing room. Um, and there was a whole lot going on. So she actually decided to do a free birth at home because she didn't want to deal with any of it. Um, but because I am DONA certified, um, which is a certifying body for doulas, I can't attend home births. So she had to do it at home by herself. Um, and I was just, you know, kind of preparing her for that before uh, she actually went into labor. Um, and then most of my other business has gone online. I wrote an ebook about hospital birthing to kind of help support um, my clients who could not <laughs> give birth with me um, and had to give birth by themselves. Um, so Everything's kind of gone digital for me um, or virtual. Got it. Got it. Well, I hope, uh, I mean, I hope things, um, I hope things change, 
soon, you know, because it just sounds like you're such a vital part of the process, you know, and how can you get somebody water through, you know, Zoom? You can't. (laughs) It's a little tricky. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Just, you know, with virtual um, doula-ing, you kind of just have to be there to offer support and let the person know that they can do it. Uh, Because when you get to the point of you're on the brink of giving birth and you're about to push and now you're tired and you're just like, I can't do this anymore. You need that person that's going to be like, no, you can do this. You know, just, just five more minutes. Just, just keep going. Like, so I'm just more there to be the coach (laughs) um, and support person now instead of actually being physically there, Uh, which is sad because I I really enjoy being able to see the babies when they're born um, and to see uh, the birthing persons throughout their process. But (sighs) things are a little bit different. Yeah. Well, what is one thing that you wish all women knew about their own fertility? Um, I wish that women knew that they have options, that everything isn't uh, black and white, set in stone, um, and that you kind of have to know that you have options, know that you have rights, and really just listen to your own intuition. So it's kind of like a, a threefold thing. Um, but, you know, Most of the time when we're on this journey, we think that we just have to take what we're told. Oh, your AMH levels are low. That doesn't mean that you won't get pregnant. That's not what that means. Um, You know, your egg quality isn't great. Okay, it isn't great, but we can work on making it a little better. And all we need is one. So, Yeah, yeah, I love that. I love that. I love that, that like trust your instincts, trust your gut, and know you have options. Because some mm-hmm. there's so many times I go into the doctor's office and I just feel like I'm being, like I'm a ball in a pinball machine and I'm just getting whacked around like from, oh, I got to do this now, I guess. Oh, I guess I got to do this now, you know? Mm-hmm. And like being presented options is is so empowering. To the patient. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, how can women specifically, um, and I guess this kind of dovetails into this question, um, how can women specifically be more empowered with their fertility struggles? Um, well, the first thing that I always kind of tell people is that you have to know that your worth isn't tied to your womb. So whether you give birth to a baby or not, that doesn't make you any less of a woman. Um, And that was something that I really had to learn the hard way. (laughs) So I want people to know that going in that, you know, yes, we want the baby, but the baby isn't the only thing we need to focus on. Um, Just focus on you and making sure that you don't lose sight of yourself throughout this process or feel like, oh, if I don't get pregnant the first time I do in vitro, I'm a failure. If I don't get pregnant the first time I do IUI, then I suck or there's something wrong with me. No, it doesn't work uh, the same way for everybody. Somebody might go the first try and get pregnant right away. It might take another person three times, and that's okay. So just know that 
it looks different for everyone and you don't have to base, you know, your success on whether or not you get a baby. It's more so about you finding yourself and being able to uh, navigate this process without losing who you are. I love it. Do you have any advice for people thinking about getting a fertility coach? I do. Um, Just really make sure that you talk to a few of them, um, see who you mesh well with, see who's within your budget. (laughs) That's a big, important one. Um, And really look at what they're able to offer you. Uh, For example, me, I'm more so for the person that is um, wanting to either do like an integrative type of thing. So I'm all hippie, um, organic, natural. I'm that person. But if you're looking for a person that wants to go strictly medical research and we're not doing anything natural, then, you know, I might not be the person for you. So Make sure that you interview multiple people, um, that you talk to them and really figure out who vibes with you and who you can see yourself being supported by because there are going to be dark moments throughout the process. There will be times when you want to quit and who's going to be there to really support you and be able to keep you focused and offer you the comfort and support that you need. I think that's so wise. Like, don't always go with the first person that you meet, you know, mm-hmm. like get, you know, interview a couple of people. And do you think that could also go, um, could also be related to the process of finding a doula? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Just because you know someone who's a doula um, or you've heard about someone who's a doula or even seen like a famous doula and you're like, yes, I want to work with that person. Still interview them as well as other people, because sometimes you might think that somebody is going to support you in the way that you want. Um, I might be very uh, a kind and nurturing to you. And you may want somebody that's going to be like a um, like a fitness coach almost. Yes, come on. You need to push. Like, <laughs> you know, that may not be me. So you need to really figure out who's going to be able to support you and what you need. If you need someone gentle, make sure that you're trying to get a feel for what they do, who they are, what their personality is like, and really what you need as a person. I love it. I love it. Um, Well, my final question is, how can people find you and follow you on social media and perhaps contact you about, you know, your services? Absolutely. So you can find me on Instagram and Facebook um, at Sierra the BB Doula. Um, and if you would like to contact me, if you go to my Instagram and you click on my bio, it leads you to my website and a bunch of other things. <laughs> so feel free to reach out. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sierra. This has been so informative. You've definitely inspired me to consider, I mean, consider talking to a fertility coach as well as a doula. So thank you. Oh, thank you, Millie. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, we'll, um, we'll be in touch. 
Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Me, Myself, and Millie. Follow us on Instagram at Me, Myself, Millie for more podcast updates. If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe and share on social media. A special thanks to my husband, Rowan Brooks, for technical support and Cal Reichenbach, who did all the music you heard in this episode. You can check him out at calzonemusic.com. Thanks, cutie bums, and see you next week. 